Express FM. Supported by Southern Co-op. We are passionately pumping. Begins look forward, work together to create a Portsmouth football club that we can all be proud to be associated with. Pure, unadulterated pumping. It's a massive club, it's a massive opportunity for me. I know this atmosphere is special. I can't wait to see you at Full House and it rocking. Action and reaction. This is Huge Football Club. We're here to be hopefully successful. The infrastructure is changing, so really we want to start pushing forward and making Portsmouth a real force. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's a club with a rich tradition, a rich heritage, but one that has an excellent relationship with its supporters. This is the Football Hour. The one team that stands out that's historic, that's had great success, that has a fan base that is amazingly passionate, is Portsmouth. The season is officially over for Pompey. Corner comes in, Bazunu claims it, drops it, put it in the back of the net. And the referee's deemed that's a legitimate goal. And Jonah Iunga from close range has stabbed the ball into the back of the net. And in the 93rd minute, Porter have conceded an equaliser. A 93rd minute scrap in for box allowed former Havens Waterlooville striker Jonah Ayunga to earn Morecambe a point in a wild all draw at the Mazuma Stadium on Monday. And that result confirmed the Blues' status in League One for next year. But now, with three games remaining, even if there's nothing worthwhile to play for, Pompey will be hoping to end the campaign on a high. They take on Gillingham at Fratton Park this weekend, and a repeat of the antics at Priestfield back in November wouldn't go amiss. Lovely from Jacobs. Across the face of goal, and in! It's going to go down as an own goal! Later this evening, we'll be hearing the pre-match thoughts of Danny Cowley, who is targeting positive results to end the season on a high. We're obviously really disappointed to get pegged back in the dying moments of the Morecambe game, but we've drawn a line under that, taken some learning from it, and yeah, now we're, we're re-energised and we're looking to try to play with that enthusiasm and intensity that allows us to play at our best. We'll hear from the Blues head coach between now and seven, as well as the thoughts of my two guests as well. Here on the only radio station, proud to be passionately Pompey, you're listening to Express FM and this is the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and the warmest of welcomes to the Football Hour, which is being driven to you this season in partnership with Stagecoach Across the South. Download the app today simply by searching Stagecoach on either the Apple app or Google Play Store. From there, you can do up-to-date timetables, find your nearest stop and even prepay for your journey. Coming up on the show tonight then, myself and two more Blues fans will be on hand to preview tomorrow's league meeting between Gillingham and Pompey at PO4, as well as to look ahead to the final week of the season, some big movements elsewhere in the Football League and the potential chance of seeing some of Pompey's fringe and youth players in action over the next few games. And as always, we're eager to hear what you've got to say from back home this evening too. Be sure to get your messages into us before 7 o'clock this evening. All the usual ways, 81400 is the number to text. Start your messages with the word express you can email pompey at expressfm.com tweet using at expressfm or head over to facebook.com forward slash pompey live but before we progress any further with tonight's conversation i'm afraid it's kind of compulsory to remind ourselves of what happened for the last time the blues were in action andy moon and guy whittigan provided a commentary of pompey's league one clash with Morecambe up in lancashire on easter monday everything we do is passionately pompey Every second of the action is right here. Shoot and scores! 90 minutes of passionately Pompey commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. And we're ready to get this one underway. And that's a lovely ball from Stockton. Here's Connolly. It's 
into the penalty chair for Morecambe. First sight of goal, curls it, and he's put it just wide. We were directly behind that. I thought that was curling inside the post. It's behind a goal kick and still nil now. He's chipped forward. Ragged gets above Stockton, but Nahua gets the second ball, 25 yards out, trying to work a shooting opportunity on his left foot. Does so, and no hit the post. Brilliant save by Bazunu. He's tipped it onto the inside of the post, and it's rolled back along the goal line and gone behind for a corner kick. I thought it was in. It's nil nil. Stockton, great save. Responsibility that it's still nil-nil here at the Mizunu Stadium. Robertson brings the ball forward, he chips it in towards the penalty area. Curtis, the target nods across goal, and it's gathered by Raggett, who scores a great goal on the turn. Sean Raggett, that's a centre-forwards finish. One to control, one to spin, and it's in off the post. And Portsmouth against the run of play lead. Morecambe nil, Portsmouth one. Conley on the right side, slightly behind him. Oh, but a lovely reverse ball. Farnay's into the box here. What can Farnay do? Works. Docton, saved by Bazunu. Carter, Pompey then win it back, and Louis Thompson decides to drive forward. It's a great run from Thompson to the edge of the box. Still going, Thompson. Thompson trying to lay it off for Hurst. I think if that's on the right side, he shoots with his right foot. Didn't want to on his left. Ball goes out. Morecambe throw. Still 1-0 for Portsmouth. Won by Morecambe. And they quickly get the ball forward to Stockton, who's surrounded by Ragger and Thompson. He gets away from them initially, edge of the box. Lays it off. Chance Phillips well wide. He could have taken a touch, perhaps, but Morecambe snatching at chances and Pompey still leading 1-0. Hurst, edge of the box. Backhill finds O'Brien. O'Brien round the corner to Carter. Nice from Pompey. Carter, dead ball and pulls it back. And Hurst effort is blocked. Good defending from Morecambe at the near post. Diago Ragger for Morecambe. Outside the box. Here's Nahua trying to break into the penalty area, trying to go round Ogilvy. Cross comes in, loose, and it's in the back of the net. But it's clearly come off a hand, and the Agaraga's goal will be disallowed. We can see that one from here. That's one of the easier ones for Bobby Radley, and it's still Morecambe nil Porter's one. Final whistle goes, cheered by the Morecambe fans. They're happy with the point they've got. Portsmouth are formally condemned to a sixth consecutive season of League One football. They've been pegged back in stoppage time. It's finished. Morecambe won Portsmouth won. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aquacars. <laughs> and there were five games played on Tuesday night too. Rotherham's decline continued with a 2-0 defeat at Burton Albion. Cambridge United were beaten 2-0 at home by Charlton. Ipswich and Wigan held one another to a two-all draw in East Anglia. Oxford beat MK Dons by a goal to nil. And Sheffield Wednesday were 1-0 winners over already relegated crew Alexandra. And those results have some big implications on the League One table heading into the final week of the season. Wigan remain top with 88 points, five clear of Rotherham in second, who are on 83. MK Don stay third, but now level on points with Rotherham, although Rotherham have played a game fewer. Sheffield Wednesday have come out of nowhere and are now fourth with 79 points, plus they've got a game in hand on MK Dons. Wednesday now just four points behind the automatic promotion spots with three games left to play. Plymouth and Wickham make up top six, but Sunderland are lurking just outside and level on points with Wickham and with a game in hand too. Both sides uh, have 77 points next to their names on the standings, whilst Oxford in eighth have 75 points and are the lowest position side who can still nick a playoff place this season. Pompey remain ninth with 67 points, so 10 points behind the top six with only three games left to play. So mathematically, now 
now out of the equation. Down at the bottom, where things are also heating up, Crew rock bottom with 28 points. Doncaster in 23rd with 34 points and six off safety with only two games remaining. Wimbledon are in 22nd with 36 points and Fleetwood in 21st with 39 points. One behind Gillingham in 20th with a game in hand. Morecambe are up to 19th with 42 points, so three clear of the drop zone with two left to play. And all sides above them are now officially safe and will be playing League One football next season. And just finally, as mentioned on Tuesday night's show, a 1-0 defeat at QPR for Derby County in the Championship on Monday confirmed their relegation down to the third tier, so they will be included within the League One lineup for the 2022-2023 season. OK, enough of me, and I'm going to now welcome in my two guests for this evening's conversation, starting off alongside me here in the studio at Express FM. Very warm w- uh, welcome to Dean Adams. Evening, Jake. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Great to see you. Yeah, good to be back in the studio. And let's welcome in from back home calling in tonight. Really appreciate you doing so. Josh Sweetman. Josh, pleasure to hear your voice, mate. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine, Jake. So instead of rather starting with the game at Morecambe on Monday, Dean, because we pretty much had the entire hour on the Football Hour on Tuesday night to really delve into the the details of that one. Let's start off with what I mentioned at the very end of that little summary there. Derby County relegated from the Championship. Um, One of those that's perhaps been coming all season with the points deduction, the financial turmoil that they've been been going through. Wayne Rooney stuck by them. Um, Still manager at, at Pryor Park. He's done, I think, a tremendous job. I think many fans will probably agree with that. But unfortunately, they are down to League One and a very... Another very big team down in the third tier. Yeah, the job he's done this season with the points deductions they've had, and he started the season with no players, I believe. I think he had three players mm. there, so he was looking at freebies and loans and massive club, Derby County, great stadium, great fans. But they've gone down, and you look at the league table; those bottom three of Peterborough, Derby, and Barnsley. It's not going to be an easy job for Portsmouth next season. No, it's absolutely not, Josh. And uh, we, we seem to understand a little bit of a pattern. Don't don't we over the last four or five seasons or so when a side with the, the structure of a club such as Derby County come down to the, uh, come down to League One they do find it a bit of a struggle to get straight back up into the Championship you look at the likes of Sunderland in recent seasons Ipswich um, Wigan of course I know they have their own uh, financial issues but they were a side not long ago uh, winning the FA Cup in the Premier League in the Championship now Derby County added to that list Josh do you see them as another side who might struggle next season? Um, I think it can go either way. Personally, it all I think for Derby, it all depends on their takeover. Um, obviously, if, if it doesn't go through, if it continues to, to sort of be there but not happen, then they're going to struggle and they won't, they'll be very reliant on kids. No matter how good the manager is, it'll be hard to keep Rooney. But I think if their takeover gets pushed through, if it's the American, I think it's Kirch, I can't, find out, I can't remember his name exactly. If it's the bloke they're saying, then I can see them probably wanting to invest and put money in it so that they come straight back up and if it goes through I, I would have them down as favourites if they keep Rooney then yeah I think I think as as Dean said it's been an amazing job that he's done and yeah but it, as you said it's also a very much avoid the yo-yo thing yeah 
looking back at the League One table within a bit more relevance to Pompey's current season, Dean, we mentioned uh, Sheffield Wednesday uh, not necessarily come out of nowhere in terms of they haven't been in, in and around the, the promotion spots all season. They've always been in the top seven or eight, always been in and out of the playoffs. But in terms of automatic promotion, Sheffield Wednesday, they're now in the equation. They've got a couple of games in hand on the top two. They're hitting fantastic form. Rotherham are dipping. They're, they're falling. They're dropping like a stone. Uh, and now Sheffield Wednesday, you, you can't hide away from the fact they might sneak into it. Yeah, that top four is quite exciting, isn't it? Up there, you, you look at Rotherham and they were, they've been fantastic all season, scoring goals, especially Michael Smith up there. But they've had a wobble of late. We we all know that. And But they're still second. They're still up there yeah. and they've got a good squad. But you look at MK Dons, they're scoring goals. But Sheffield Wednesday, they've got a big squad, good players, and they're full of goals. So... What they four points behind? I still wouldn't be surprised if they creeped up, they crept up there. But yeah, big club, and it's interesting because you look at Portsmouth's fixtures, and we can affect the relegation places with Gillingham, and we've also got Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday. So it's going to be an interesting last three games. Yeah, and uh, like Dean's just mentioned there, Josh uh, Rotherham have dipped lately. I think that's now what three defeats on the spin, but they are still second. And you've got teams like Rotherham and Wigan have been so good all season, but they can they can sort of afford to to have these dips in form. not have it affect you too much because they can still finish in the top two. They still are in a very decent position to do so. But nonetheless, Josh, that final day of the season, Pompey take on Sheffield Wednesday away. If potentially you've got Sheffield Wednesday themselves, MK Dons and Rotherham all going for that second automatic promotion spot, you imagine Wigan will win the league title. That's going to be some tasty final day. I think I think you're right. I think Wigan will win the title. Um, the Rotherham sort of situation just takes me back to the Coventry situation when we beat them, was it three years ago? And we were second with three games to play. And that was three years ago today, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was, and we, were, we, were in the, we were in second with three games to go. It was all there in our own hands. I think, personally, I think MK Dons are the better team out of uh, Sheffield Wednesday, MK Dons and Rotherham. Um, I did come back to bite me, but I don't think Sheffield Wednesday will make the top two. Uh, but as you said, it's all to play and there's, there's teams in and around it like Sheffield Wednesday will be loving the fact that they're playing someone like us on the last day who've got nothing to play for mm. so yeah it could go anyway to be honest yeah the initial allocation of 2,000 seats for Pompey fans at Hillsborough uh, for next Saturday's trip to Sheffield Wednesday the 30th of April the final day of the season 12.30 kickoff. that initial allocation tw- uh, 2,000 tickets have all been snapped up and I believe Pompey have now been given an extra 1,000 for the upper tier of the uh, Leppings Lane stand at Hillsborough so quite some following for the Blues at Sheffield Wednesday for the final game of the season despite there not really being much to play for so we, we've discussed quite a few teams already on the show Dean we haven't actually mentioned anything to do with Pompey no. um, the, the main reason for that is that we've got nothing, nothing left to, to play for. we've got nothing left to play for exactly you know uh, a one-off draw at Morecambe on Easter Monday like we said we, we spoke about it on Tuesday um, in, in more detail but just sum up how you're feeling to have the season end it's not it's not early in terms of where we are in the league but three I, games remaining yeah do I feel flat I don't even feel flat I feel nothing no. nothing at all uh, you can almost sum it up in a season that it's just in one word nothing what's been good about it what's yeah. it's been we've had some some of the players that have come in we've looked at uh, Bazunu and some of the other players Raggers had an excellent season there's been some great performances in there but squad wise I think in certain games like Danny Cowley says the rotation at times has been five changes per game and that's too many to do to have that consistency so one way or another whether it's a, a lack of budget which I'm not sure it is 
is it poor recruitment? I don't know. But one way or another, our squad was too small to cope with the demands of that season. Yeah. Certainly, underwhelming could be a, a word to describe this season, Josh. I mean, we've all expected, we've all spoke about it throughout the campaign, the idea of it perhaps being a transition season, a rebuild, a, a chance for the Cowley brothers to come in and, and try to implement their start of play with some players that are coming in the, in the windows and still not quite the complete squad. Is ninth place at the moment where Pompiar truly reflective of how the season's gone is that a probably f- a fair assessment of, of how Pompey have performed consistently inconsistently whatever yeah yeah I would say so and I think there's a couple of factors that you have to put it down to ultimately we're not good enough against those in the top six top seven we are well short when it comes up to playing them I know we beat Rotherham quite convincingly the other day but in general we haven't been good enough I think it was hit on I think we just hit the nail on the head that I don't think it's so much the budget that's the issue I think not just this season there have been some good signings this season but over the last three years there has been some absolutely diabolical recruitment from the club in terms of players that just probably aren't good enough and I know we've got a small squad and if you have a small squad it has to be very good from top to bottom so I think obviously with a little bit of a recruitment shake up so behind the scenes um is it Roberto? I can never pronounce his surname. Oh, Roberto Gagliardi. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I knew that there wasn't a lot of support for him with supporters. I think in terms of the recruitment, this summit is the one. But And another point I made to someone on Twitter the other day was the money was there in January by, by the sounds of it, but it made sense to save it to the summer when yep. you get better deals, you get better bargains, you're not paying over the top. So this summer really is, and they said three windows, this is the summer. If, it, if after 10 games next season, it's not started well, then serious questions really have to be asked. Yeah. Alan Swift on the email says, Hi all, it's a likely win tomorrow, followed by possibly two defeats against teams with remaining ambitions. Ipswich have two very winnable games left, maybe Bolton too. So it looks like a 10th place finish, possibly an 11th. Another shake-up is inevitable in the summer, so we start gelling all over again. Which is always a good excuse, says Alan Swift. Unless the playing budget is near the top six teams, I can only see a very slight improvement, if any, next year. Our sixth in this division. Something has to change. Albert Einstein's words have uh, been swirling in my head to this effect. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is madness. Michael Eisner needs reminding of that as well. Also, he's running a top football club, not Walt Disney. Always a realist, says Alan in Southsea on the emails. Alan, thank you as ever for your very honest and open comments here on the Footblower. Do welcome anyone to get in touch between now and 7 o'clock to do so. I have a text for Word Express followed by your name and message to 81400. You can email Pompey at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm if you're on Twitter or find us over at facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Okay, then we'll be back with Dean and Josh very, very soon. And after the break, we'll be hearing what Danny Cowley has had to say about his team's preparations going into tomorrow's clash with Gillingham. We've been good, aided by the beautiful weather. I think it's been great to get back on the grass. We haven't had too much preparation time going into the recent games. So to get back on the pitch and do some some work tactically has been important for the group. Stay tuned for more Pompey debate and discussion, as well as that interview with Danny Cowley when the Football Hour returns after this quick break. This is the Football Hour 93.7.
Express FM. Welcome back to part two of this Friday night edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM, your home of local radio in the city of Portsmouth, serving our great waterfront city since 2006. This season, the show is being driven to you by Stagecoach South. Visit their website for more information on how they are trying to make the South Coast a cleaner and greener environment with their new, more f- e- uh, environmentally friendly fleet of buses. This evening, I'm joined alongside uh, broadcast journalist Dean Adams as well as Pompey fan Josh Sweetman to discuss Pompey's end of season antics and look ahead a little bit to next season as well and preview the weekend's visit of Gillingham to Fratton Park. Now, before the break, we had an email from uh, Alan Swift raising some very good points. Uh, not quite overwhelmed with the ambitions this season, looking ahead to the summer transfer window, targeting perhaps a little bit more investment on the pitch. Um, we've heard from Eric Eisner, uh, Pompey director, on Twitter over the last few days. He's actually now in Portsmouth, ready to attend the next two home games, starting tomorrow with Gillingham and Tuesday night's visit of Wigan to Fratton Park. The first of these tweets uh, reads, We just got through a pandemic. Not easy on anyone. Building the infrastructure and putting pieces in place, we have to be ready so we are not a yo-yo club. Stadium infrastructure, new training ground, tons happening. Still believe that is how you build a sustainable, long-term, viable club. And Eric follows up by saying, Follow up to yesterday's tweet. You can build the best stage, but without the actors, that is basically just a great stage. So we absolutely care about the performance on the pitch, and we're working around the clock on that as well. Great stage plus great actors equals long-term success. Dean, the owners have come up, come under heavy fire this season. You can't shy away from that on social media. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and there are plenty of them circling around, as, as they quite rightfully should be. But in terms of communication, we, we, we've received some from Eric and a lot of frustration from supporters is that we've heard there might be a mid-table budget next season. We've heard that a lot of the money is going towards Fratton Park and the training pitch and the infrastructure of the club. With this communication from Eric in the last couple of days, with him coming down to Fratton Park for the next couple of games, do you understand the message that he's trying to convey? Yeah, the communication was a bit quiet for a while, wasn't it? Uh, which was sort of disappointing. And at a club of our size, at our level, you need that communication with the fans. The fans, the fans are important. They're the people that fund the club. Essentially, you look at Eric's first message, and he's right. You need to build the infrastructure. You need to have build that base, and to get all that perfect, we've got an old crumbling ground. We've, we've the training ground isn't great, but we now own that, I believe. So he's he what he's saying is correct. That first message is correct. We're building that infrastructure, but it's not what Pompey fans want to hear. Pompey fans, all they want to hear is what's happening on the pitch. They want a winning side. They want better players. They want a better budget. Eric's second message has sort of come along the lines a bit of, okay, we're looking at the pitch as well, but our budget this year what was it the 10th best in the league and you look at the clubs that have come are coming down would probably be pretty similar I can't see the budget increasing the the attendance is at the moment the capacity we've lost with the new seats going in we've had Covid I can't see the budget being massively different to be honest no Uh, 
Uh, and we were talking off air that it's not necessarily the budget that, that gets a team promoted. There, there have no. been many examples of sides, uh, and you mentioned again, Dean, in, in the ad break, Luton Town being one of those with, with yeah. one of the smaller budgets, but they, they've gone on with a decent team, a decent manager, and some very good coaching, some very good teamwork to actually yeah. go on and, and, and succeed, and they're doing very well in the championship. So, in terms of the, the calls for there to be you know, heavier investment on the pitch, haven't Luton got a new ground coming as well? They have got a new yeah. ground coming. Exactly, that's yeah. the infrastructure off the pitch that they yeah. are also trying to deal with. So it, it's possible. You can understand yeah. the frustration, of course you can, from Pompey fans to want a little bit more intent on the pitch. But at the same time, you go back to 2017, say it all yep. the time, the bid that Michael Eisner put to the Pompey fans. Yep. Do not accept our bids to buy the club if you don't want this as your plan. And the plan was... It's going to be a 10-year process to try and get back into the Championship and competing from the Premier League, and we're going to focus on infrastructure. They, they are doing that. They're following that plan. Yeah, without the Eisens, I think COVID would have been a bit of a tricky period for the club anyway, so we've got to be thankful for what the Eisens have come in and they are what they've done and what they are doing. But you look at Luton Town, they did pip us to a promotion in, what, 2017? Small club, Kenilworth Road, small ground... But it's about getting the right recruitment and those players gelling and getting that winning mentality, and that would take you up. And you could argue as well, Josh, you mentioned it in the first part of tonight's show, the recruitment is big. Um, it's, it's not all about the funds on the pitch. It, it, it helps, of course it does, but in terms of the recruitment, uh, Pompey, you could argue, haven't necessarily got it too right over the last couple of years. Roberto Gagliardi's exit to, to work for an organisation with links to, to that club down the road. It doesn't, doesn't scream too promising, but in terms of this summer, if the budget is to remain a mid-table, not quite as competitive as Pompey fans might hope, that doesn't spell the end of Pompey's ambitions to get promotion next season whatsoever, does it? No, not at all. You've only got to look at the likes of Ipswich this season who uh, that were buying players left, right and centre just for the sake of it. And look where they are. They're actually below us. Um, Sunderland notoriously spend money every year and it hasn't come off for them. I don't think you need a big budget. Well, I don't think you need the biggest budget in this league you don't even need the top four or five budgets there. You just need to get the right players and the right recruitment. I think Eric Eisner hit the, hit the nail on the head completely when he said, we have to get the infrastructure right. And I know that Pompey fans want success on the pitch. However, if the infrastructure isn't right, you become a yo-yo club. And if you said to me, well, what would you rather be, a yo-yo club or get promotion and actually financially be able to survive, then... I think it's a no-brainer. You've only got to look at the likes of Peterborough going up, coming straight back down. Mm. Yeah, it's all well and good going up and having fun, but it, it doesn't really achieve anything when you're then coming back. And as you said about Derby, if you're coming back down, or what you say in Peterborough's uh, sense, if they come back down, then it's even it's a hard league one to get out of now. So you don't want to be that yo-yo club. But yeah, the, as I said, uh, the, the summer recruitment has to be spot on. Yeah. And if you are sat here in, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years' time, Dean, Pompey have got a, a, you know, a vastly improved Fratton Park, be it a 25,000, 30,000 seat stadium, that might, might be a little bit further down the line. But in terms of you know, a, it looking a lot more modern, it's running as a modern ground with the better facilities in place, training pitch, getting the upgrades, but it, it has desperately needed. The academy hopefully getting a little bit more investment as well. If in ten years' time you can see all of those improvements and Pompey are becoming a sustainable club to let's be honest, compete with our South Coast rivals. Brighton have gone above and beyond to do that. I hate to bring up their name on, on a Pompey show, but Southampton. Yeah. They've got an incredible infrastructure. You can't hide away from that. If, if Pompey has sat here in 10 years' time with all of that in place and we're starting to compete in the top half of the, of the Championship or even, dare I say, in the Premier League, 
then you can perhaps accept a few seasons of frustration and, and impatience. You can. In 10 years' time, I'm going to be 56. I'll be wearing my slippers. I won't be here. But uh, 10 years' time, every everything the Eisens have said are correct. They're business people. So they're building a business and they're doing the right things. But at the end of the day, that is brilliant, but it's not what the Pompey fans want no. to hear. And that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem you've got. So they are doing the right things, but it isn't what the Pompey fans want, no. to, want to hear. We want a good team on the pitch. Absolutely. And uh, I think Mark uh, is in somewhat of an agreement, or, or sort of sort of yes, sort of no. Uh, Mark on the text, couldn't disagree more until we address the infrastructure. The club cannot move forward without the extra revenue. Mark, thank you for your text. Uh, mockers on Twitter, off the pitch, Pompey are making big strides, but on the pitch, we are no further forward. I really like Danny and Nicky Carley. Next season, we need less low knees more young players and to spread the playing budget more evenly play up Pompey mockers there on Twitter Josh mockers with the point of um, of, uh, of Pompey not perhaps progressing on the pitch over the last couple of years could you argue that maybe this season's squad on paper or indeed what we've seen on the pitch is, is no really much better off than the last couple of seasons no it's not and I, I think I think most Pompey fans will accept that I think as I, as I said earlier, you look back at that Coventry game three years ago, the likes of Matt Clark, Christian Burgess, Jamal Lowe, um, Ronan Curtis, when he, w- when he was probably at the peak of his powers at Pompey, Tom Naylor. I mean, they were, the majority of them would walk back into this Pompey team with ease. Um, and it, it's, it's gone from a very good squad that was probably mid-table championship with some of those names to now mid-table League One um, and I don't, I don't blame Danny Cowley at all because what he inherited last year was an absolute nightmare for a new manager I mean what was it like 12-13 trialists at one point yeah. I can't even remember the number and that, you can't assess a squad you can't build a squad around that with so so little contracted players So, but this, this as I said this summer he the squad bone and depth is like it's there it just needs to build around it and add cleverly um bit of experience to help a bit of youth and if, if you get it right as i said you don't need the big budget but it, it's got to be right yeah a lot of frustration uh, as well dean comes down to and you mentioned the uh, the recruitment has to be spot on but you, you do look at players like christian burgess your matt clark's your, your, your ben thompson's your jamal lowe's perhaps even dare i say it brett Pittman um over the last couple of seasons that 2018-19 squad all of those players probably get into this team. Yeah, there's some good players there. And just looking at last season, the two players that we let go that we should have... I know they got offered less money or less and less years, but the Tom Naylors and the Jack Watmores are the two players we should have kept for for this season. They were the, they were the backbone of our team. And you put them in this current team and we would have had a good team. The one thing I want to quickly say is... I reported on Brighton for about 10 years and the new chairman, the new owner came in, Tony Bloom, and the first thing he talked about was the infrastructure. They won, I think it was the last game of the season to stop them falling into the conference when I was reporting on them. And they ended up building a training ground, which is amazing, and the Amex Stadium. So they built their infrastructure and look where they are now. Yeah, Uh, And that was all whilst they were, what, third, fourth tier 
Yeah, yeah, it's League Two. Yeah. And that and trading pitch, I've never been there, but I, I believe it's one. It's yeah, it's up there. Premier League quality. Yeah, obviously. The, the dome, the restaurant. They've got a huge, absolutely huge restaurant that serves Caribbean food. And you walk in there, there's like Pompey's training ground is like two or three huts, yeah. and there's twenty five, thirty staff there. You go into Brighton, the whole complex is amazing. There's the, the indoor dome, the outside artificial pitches, the grass pitches, the, the women's zone outside. It is amazing. There's probably 300 odd staff there. It's incredible. Yeah. And uh, I will be catching up actually with Eric Eisner this weekend whilst he is over um, over in England to visit uh, the next couple of games. So Eric Eisner, I will be interviewing the Pompey director this weekend to get his thoughts on the season, to look ahead to next season, the future. Let's talk about the, the Fratton Park redevelopment plans and of course the budget as well. We'll be talking to him over this weekend and that conversation will be aired um, after the Sheffield Wednesday game next Saturday. I will confirm a definitive date and a definitive show on when that chat will be aired. But um, it will be an end-of-season review with Eric Eisner on the Football Hour at some point at the start of May. OK, then we'll be back with Dean and Josh, as well as everyone getting in touch on the text tweets and emails uh, very, very shortly. But first, we're going to gather some thoughts of the head coach, Danny Carley. We'll hear what he had to say uh, this afternoon at the training ground ahead of Pompey's meeting with Gillingham tomorrow afternoon. Danny, What's yours and the players' week look like after the Morecambe game? Yeah, we had a recovery day on, on Tuesday um, after a, a long travel and, and four games in nine days. And then we'll be back on the training pitch and preparing for the Gillingham game on Saturday. Yeah, back on the training pitch. How have the preparations been ahead of Gillingham? Yeah, I think they've been good, aided by the beautiful weather. Um, I think it's been great to get back on the grass. We haven't had too much preparation time going into the recent games. So to, to get back on the pitch and, and do some, some, some work tactically has, has been important for the group. What are you expecting from Gillingham? Obviously a side who have still got something massive to play for. Yeah, of course. I mean, Neil Harris, since the moment he's gone in there, has just done an incredible job. He's someone that I, I've got to know well. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, they've, they've had a miraculous return of, of, of results since, since he's been there and, uh, and are now sitting in a position just outside of the relegation zone when they were, they were cast adrift when he, when he first arrived at the end of January so he's done a fantastic job there their form has been very very good he's made them difficult to beat um, awkward to play against um, we know that they carry a lot of attacking threat both at the top of the pitch and, and also from midfield and we anticipate a, a, a really motivated Gillingham team and, and for us it's, it's really important that we match them in, in those areas and if we can do um, then, then to try to find the control and move them in our performance Yeah, what will you need to do to, to be able to be a motivated like you say Gillingham side? Well, like I said firstly match them in, in all of those areas in terms of the will the determination and the desire I think that you know our, our home form has been good in, in the last eight games we've, we've won six and drawn two um, and, and yeah we, we you know you go back to the Lincoln game when Lincoln equalised to bring it back to two all, you could feel the 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 will in the stadium, and I thought our supporters were brilliant in that moment, and that that will and energy and enthusiasm that they brought in in a moment of adversity translated to the team, and the team were able to to find the the third goal and, and win that game. And again, you know, for us at Fratton Park, it's always a collective effort, and together we're we're always stronger. 
It's been a while since you've had such a long break between games. Will that aid squad selection on Saturday? I think so. I think, it, you know, for us, we used um, a similar group of players for the, for the four games and it was an incredible, incredible effort from the, from the group um, to play Tuesday, Friday and then Monday and to take seven out of nine points was, was a real positive. We were, were obviously really disappointed to get pegged back in the, in the dying moments of the, of the Morecambe game but, um, but we've, we've drawn a line under that, taken some learning from it and yeah, now we're, we're re-energised and we're looking to try to, to, to play with that enthusiasm and intensity that allows us to play at our best. This, this week is going to be the first time you're going to meet the Pompey owners. How much are you looking forward to seeing them? Yeah, no, just fantastic. It, you know, we're so pleased that they've been able to, to, to come across um, and, and, and to see us. I know Andy Redman and, and Eric Eisner will, will, both, will both be there on Saturday. Um, we love their energy and their enthusiasm for the club. And, uh, you know, we're so grateful for, for their unconditional support that they've given the club. You know, you, you look at us as a football club, we've just come through a, a pandemic. Uh, we come through debt-free. They've just put 11, over £11 million into the stadium which is just going to be fantastic for Fratton Park moving forward and also bought this this training ground and this just gives us a brilliant foundation to be able to push on from um, and, and yeah we're so appreciative of, of all of their support and it will be great over the next few days to spend a little bit of time with them and get to know them better. The pre-match thoughts of Blues head coach Danny Carlybear speaking to Max Swatton at the training ground earlier this week. OK it's time now for our second and final ad break of the night after which we'll come on to talk in a bit more detail about tomorrow's opponents Gillingham as well as discuss who we think should be in line to start this weekend's game at Fratton Park that's all to come next in the conclusion of tonight's edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Hello there, welcome back for the final time this evening to the Football Hour, supported by Stagecoach across the South. Need to get in and around the city without a fuss? Just hop on a Stagecoach bus, providing the cheapest and most reliable bus service in Portsmouth and the surrounding areas. Still to come tonight, the final thoughts of my two guests, Dean Adams and Josh Sweetman, head of this weekend's League One clash between Pompey and Gillingham at PO4. But first, we're going to dive straight into our inspection of tomorrow's opponents with pre-recorded me providing us with the key names and numbers responsible for fueling a Gillingham side flirting with relegation. There remains just three more matches until the end of the season, with Pompey now unable to secure a playoff position. Nonetheless, the Blues will be hoping to end their year strongly, starting with a visit of Gillingham to Fratton Park. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. Monday's one-all draw at Morecambe confirmed Portsmouth a sixth season in League One, thanks to Jonah Ayunga's 93rd-minute equaliser. Their penultimate home game comes against another side fighting to survive in the third tier. Here's a bit more detail regarding this week's opponent, Gillingham. Manager. The Jills are no longer managed by hothead Steve Evans. The Glaswegian gaffer was dismissed at Priestfield on January 9th after a 4-0 defeat at the hands of Ipswich left the side in 22nd place. Nowadays, it's former Millwall boss Neil Harris who mans the dugout for Kent's only Football League club. The 44-year-old was brought in three weeks after the sacking of Evans, who is now in charge of Stevenage. Since his appointment, Harris has recorded five wins from 16 games, accumulating a win percentage of just 31.3. One to watch. Inevitably, our choice for this part of the feature is former Blues midfielder Ben Thompson, who joined the club to link up with his old Millwall boss toward the end of the January transfer window. 
Robertson will only be with the club until the end of the season, however, having signed only a half-season contract with the club's League One status on the ropes. The 26-year-old, who became a fan favourite at Fratton Park during the 2018-19 campaign, has played all but 22 minutes of football since his arrival. In such time, he has netted on one occasion in a 2-0 win at Lincoln. For those either attending the game or watching on iFollow, Thompson will be the Jill's player donning the number eight shirt. Top scorer. Gillingham's top scorer at this stage is 30-year-old forward Vidane Oliver. The 30-year-old has recorded nine league goals this season, four more than his nearest teammate Danny Lloyd McGoldrick, who has five. Oliver, who represents the Jills by wearing the number 19 shirt, has been at the club since his arrival from Northampton Town in August 2020, since bagging 23 goals in 64 league appearances. The last time he found the back of the net was on April 15th, just two games ago, in a two-all draw with Cheltenham Town. Current form. As mentioned already, the Jills were in 22nd place when Neil Harris took charge, whereas they now occupy 20th and are a point above the drop zone, although Fleetwood and 21st have a crucial game in hand. Gillingham currently have 40 points on the board after 44 games as are dangerously close to dropping out of the third tier for the first time since 2013, the year they won promotion into it from League Two. Recently, wins have been hard to find for the Jills, who have secured maximum points just once in their last seven attempts. That a 2-1 victory over Accrington Stanley on March 26th. Their last three games have all ended in draws, one all at home to Wickham, two all away at Cheltenham, and more recently a goalless stalemate with Fleetwood on Easter Monday. This season's reverse fixture between Pompey and Gillingham ended 1-0 in favour of Danny Cowley's side, thanks to late brilliance from Michael Jacobs in the 93rd minute at Priestfield, accompanied with a slice of luck and a helping hand from Jill's defender Jack Tucker. That match back in November ended 1-0 to the Blues. So, can Pompey do the double over their once-proclaimed bogey team, or will the Jills take a giant step closer to League One survival? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. Close look there into Gillingham, tomorrow's opponents at Fratton Park. Dean Adams and Josh Sweetman alongside me for the next 14 minutes or so to preview this weekend's League One meeting between the two sides. 81400 is the number to text back home if you want to get in touch before 7 o'clock this evening. Let us know your uh, score predictions for tomorrow, as well as whether or not you think the likes of Jay Mingy, Harry Jewett White, perhaps even Liam Vincent should be involved for tomorrow's game. Otherwise, you can email Pompey at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm within your tweets. And, of course, there's facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. Coming to, first of all, Josh. Um, Gillingham, that side in previous seasons that have tend to upset Pompey, tend to be that side that just nicks something at Fratton Park. Now, the Blues got the win over the Jills earlier in the season. This is going to be a very tough test despite their league position. I think it, I think it will be. I think purely for the for the matter of fact that Gillingham are desperate for points. That it's not like I think you find a lot at the end of the season. Like you will have two teams who both have nothing to play for, and you you would never call it a tough test. But I think they they're going to go. They're going to be quite. They're not going to want to lose, but they don't want to then throw everything forward and sort of risk it. I think so. It's going to be a very physical game, and I, I think. My biggest issue with all this out, outcry for youngsters to play for Pompey, tomorrow is the only chance that I would want to see the likes of Mingy play and maybe Vincent because the last two games of the season against two teams who are going for promotion and mm. you're going, it's going to be a hard game for them to be thrown into. But yeah, I, th- I think it will be tough, but I, I don't think it's one that we should be sitting there and 
feeling that we shouldn't come away with a convincing win. No. There have been calls, as Josh has mentioned there, and, and we asked a few moments ago, Dean, to, to support us listening in tonight. Does this weekend represent, or perhaps even the, the two games following tomorrow's game, do they represent an opportunity to see these fringe players, these youth players coming to come into the side and, uh, and prove their worth to Danny Cowley if these boys are the future, if they're within plans for next season? Is, is this not uh, an opportunity for them? I know Danny Cowley came out this week and said his reasons for probably not playing them in the last three games. I don't know what those reasons were because I, I never read the stories, but why wouldn't you play them? You would only not play them if you believed as a manager they weren't ready to be blooded and put out there. So sometimes Danny, Danny Cowley says stuff in the press and players aren't involved and they will be involved but I think you, you read between the lines I don't think they're going to get any involvement in the last three games and that obviously tells you that those players aren't ready no. Pompey's midfield Josh um, has been an area of the pitch of which I, I believe fans on social media have come to general consensus seems to be Pompey's strongest uh, this season, the likes of Joe Morrell, Louis Thompson really excelling together. You've got Sean Williams and his experience on the bench, as well as Ryan Tunnicliffe as well. Perhaps an area next season that could be held back um, to, to, as, as one of the least priorities to try and improve upon. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Harry White sign his first professional deal. He's one of the players um, that we mentioned a few moments ago as one of those we, we would hope to see in the next three games. If you are to see one player out of those fringe and youngsters who we haven't seen too much of this season, is Harry Jewett White at the top of that list? He's not for me. I think personally, I think it's Jay Mingy. I think he went into the conference and did well for a, a struggling team there. And I mean, when Wrexham are coming to buy you with all the money they've got, um, then it goes to show that you're a talented footballer. I think with with Jewett White, yes, he's clearly very talented, but I don't think throwing him in now is the right thing I think Danny Cowley what he said this week it's not the right time you've got to be careful with talented youngsters like this especially his age and I, I, I would actually go and disagree with you slightly in terms of you saying that the midfield maybe might not be a priority next uh, in the summer because I think if you look at it on paper I, I might be wrong but I believe Williams is out of contract Yeah, yeah um, and actually Louis Thompson's out of contract as well so it actually really leaves you only with um, Joe Morrell and Ryan Tunnicliffe as two central midfielders and then you've got Harvey Joe White I think of all the players in this squad that are out of contract Louis Thompson would be the one I would be throwing money at because I personally think since he sort of got over his injury issues he has been one of the most underrated players in the squad that could arguably be in there for the player of the season awards behind um, Bazunu, I think he's been up there with Raggett but he does a lot of the dirty work and he, I think the fact he can't last 90 minutes maybe, maybe is an issue but he I think has to be the priority when it comes to signing players this summer Dean, I can see you uh, nodding in agreement with Josh there. Louis Thompson had a fantastic campaign at Pompey. He's had a contract alongside Shaw Williams next season. Louis Thompson, priority for Danny Cowley before he gets anything else sorted? Yeah, I think he's been excellent this season. The the energy between box to box, he's been absolutely fantastic. And you look at Joe Morrell, Ryan Tunnicliffe, I think Williams he is out of contract and he will be off in the summer. I can't believe he'd get another year's deal. And uh, But yeah, Thompson is, is one of those ones you've got, you've got to 
tie down with Raggett as well. And but you, some of the names we mentioned earlier. But you look at players that could come in. You've got Tony Cliff, Morrell, Thompson. You put one more good midfielder in there. That's a good mid, midfield quartet, isn't it? Yeah. We don't want to mention Ben Thompson's out of contract, do we, in the summer? But he is. <laughs> we're mentioning. And he's it on anyway. Gillingham wages, and he is available. So, but we're talking. When was he last with us? Two, three, four years ago? Three years ago? At the end of t- the, the 2019 season. Yeah. So, yeah, three years ago now. Yeah. Josh, look, Dean brought it up, not me. Don't don't shoot the messenger. Somebody Josh. had to. Somebody had to. <laughs> ben Thompson, he's a Gillingham player. Mentioned it in this week's opposition. He's played pretty much every minute um, since he signed on a short-term deal back in January. He is out of contract next season. I know a lot of fans are hung up on him. I know there's a lot of supporters who are you know, against the idea of Pompey signing him and, and leaving the past in the past. But I've got to ask you the question. If Ben Thompson, if he puts in a decent performance tomorrow, if we can take the words of Gillingham fans for, for what they are, and they say he's had a good, he's had, you know, good second half of the season, should he be a target for Danny Cowley? And that he has previously mentioned that he doesn't like the start of play, though. So. I don't want to say it because I don't want to look at Twitter in about an hour's time and have about 20 notifications. Look, what Ben Thompson did when he was with Pompey was brilliant. I th- he was fantastic. And when we lost him, I don't think it was so much of that he was an unbelievable player. It was a fact of we didn't replace him. And you look at that team, he was playing with very good players. He had two wingers alongside him, Jamal Lowe and Rowan Curtis, who were on fire because they were playing off and Ollie Hawkins, who brought them into play. Look, I think Ben Thompson, when we had him, brilliant footballer, but I'm not as hung up as other fans are. I think if you look at it now, it's, it's more that he was brilliant and then we weren't. I think that Louis Thompson is just as good, if not better, than Ben Thompson. Um, and I think he offers more to our team. Uh, you're right, I don't think he will probably suit the Cowdy way. And again, I'm going to get pelters for this, but... I think you just have to let it go. Yeah. And I saw the Portsmouth News earlier with an article, something along the lines of, like, former Pompey hero. Ben Thompson isn't a Pompey hero. No. Like, he, he's a Pompey fan's favourite, but he's not a hero. He didn't achieve anything with us, like, like to make him a hero along the lines of Limboy Primus and such like that. So, look, a brilliant player, but it's, he wouldn't be one that I would target this summer. Thank you so much, Josh. I think you've nailed it. <laughs> oh, it's going it's, it's to come back to bite me. Could have waited, I could have asked for a better answer to that. Um, look, we all know he's a good player. Let's leave you, the past you, in the You past. waited for me to throw myself under the bus while well, you do it yourself. I was, I was, I was hoping so, mate. I was hoping so. <laughs> Uh, Dave Byrne on the emails looking forward to seeing Ben Thompson back at Fratton Park tomorrow there you go but I can't, uh, can't now see him appearing in a Pompey shirt in the future for me he's too similar to Joe Morrell and therefore I feel we would be looking at a different type of player to complement M- M- Morrell in midfield I always felt that getting out of League One would be a five year project so entering a sixth season is a bit more of a disappointment to me than it would have been previously we must do so much better next season and do everything possible to get out of this league with the likes of Derby included and it being a tough division once again the challenge is clear to everyone at Pompey thank you Dave Byrne of emails for getting in touch one here on Twitter a score prediction I hope it's genuine uh, Josh Knight says 5-3 tomorrow 
Fair enough, Josh. Thank God. I'll, I'll take it. He's had a beer, hasn't he? It is Friday night. It's Friday <laughs> night. I'll take five freeway, five goals. Might be a few question marks over the three conceded, but we'll come to that on Monday. Um, let's take a look at some uh, early team news for tomorrow. Then uh, on Pompey side, of course, Kieran Freeman remains out of the running with an ankle injury. Rico Hackett also with his knee problems, and Jaden Reed also with a knee injury. They're all still sidelined. Uh, Joe Morrell is reportedly likely to be available get, uh, again. He missed Monday's trip to Morgan with a dead leg but he picked up in the 3-2 win over Lincoln City last Friday. Morrell did travel to Lancashire but did not feature. Um, Robbie McKenzie and former Pompey Loney Stuart O'Keefe uh, both doubts for Gillingham. They went off injured against Fleetwood on Monday and Mustafa Carriol also uh, missing from tomorrow's game we, uh, we expect anyway due to a hamstring problem. And striker Charlie Kelman, he was sent off in that game on Monday, although Gillingham are currently going through a process of trying to have that red card rescinded. So that's uh, some early team news for tomorrow's game. The officials are referee Darren Drysdale, assistants Paul Kelly and Robert Dabbs with fourth official Daniel Cook. Head-to-head, overall, Pompey have claimed 21 wins against Gillingham, whilst the opponents have claimed just 9-10 draws between the two sides overall and at Fratton Park Pompey has claimed 12 wins Gillingham only two and six stalemates as well in the history of uh, Pompey versus Gillingham okay uh, enough of that because we don't really want to hear too much history of Pompey versus Gillingham it's not the most lucrative fixture in the world is it Dean but we're going to come on to the score predictions now we start off with yourself Pompey Gillingham how does it end Neil Harris was at the Rotherham game at home and he would have been mostly impressed with Portsmouth that day we have slow starts of France, so as long as we don't have a slow start and we can get on top of them, I think there's goals there, 3-1. And just finally from yourself, Josh, really quickly. Yep, I'd agree, 3-1 or 4-1 personally. Lovely stuff. Thanks to the pair of you. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Pompey victory. Well, unfortunately, we've reached the end of this evening's show, but a huge thank you to my two guests. Dean, cheers for coming in tonight. Cheers, Jake. Welcome. And thank you, of course, to Mr Josh Sweetman. It has been a pleasure, as always, Josh. Thanks very much, Jake. Thank you as well to everybody who tuned in to the Football Hour between 6 and 7 this evening. Thank you once again to Stagecoach Across the South for supporting another edition of the show here on Express FM. So, Pompey, next in action tomorrow afternoon. Gillingham, other visitors to Fratton Park. Join us here on Pompey Live from 2 o'clock. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. It is now mathematically confirmed that Pompey will be playing League One football next season as they drew 1-1 at Morecambe. Portsmouth are formally condemned to a sixth consecutive season of League One football. The next take on Gillingham at Fratton Park. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday from 2. Pompey versus Gillingham will be right here on Pompey Live. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Thank you, Robbie. You can join us tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock for all of the action as Pompey take on Gillingham at Fratton Park. Match day number 44 for the Blues in League One this season. Nothing to play for, really, apart from pride and a bit of momentum going into next campaign, which we hope to be a promotion-winning one, finally, for Portsmouth going up into the Championship. We can hope, can't we? OK, coming up after the news at 7, Connor Mosley is back with Express Floor Fillers. You are invited as a VIP to Portsmouth's biggest party on a Friday night. Connor will be here playing just great floor fillers all night long heading into tomorrow here on express fm your scheduling looks like this 4am if you're up that early if you're really excited for tomorrow's game you can catch a replay of tonight's installment of the football hour between four and five for weekend early rise a brand new show with adam jenkins is here between five and eight kickstart your saturday with just great songs the featured artist and a look at what's going on this weekend in the city saturday breakfast with ian mcginnis is here from eight through until 11 with musical features local events 
sport and travel news to start your Saturday. Mend Lily Park between 11 and 2 with your guilty pleasures, a tiny quiz about the week's news, and of course, the usual, just great songs all weekend long. Pompey live here tomorrow uh, from 2 through till 6 with all of the action as Pompey take on Gillingham at Fratton Park. We hope to hear from you tomorrow afternoon, Pompey fans, but until then, or until Monday, have a fantastic weekend. Take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening, and good night. Play out Pompey.